Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many testimonies tonight. And Lord, we thank you that even when circumstances are not the most joyous and happiest in our lives, we can still praise you for your goodness and your grace to us in every situation. We thank you for your strength. We thank you that you never change. And Lord, we thank you that you're working in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Front, 16. Psalm 16. Is that a delivery truck in front of the church? Get the uh, name of the company and the truck number. We'll call them during the week. Is not acceptable. All right. Sorry about that. Just distraction. I'm looking out the back door and reading the logo off somebody's truck. Um, Psalm 16. And and, uh, let's look here into the Word of God. Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord... Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of mine cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So, what we have here is a psalm. Uh, And most of us will recognize, if you've ever heard Handel's Messiah, uh, verse 10, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. If you're familiar with your Bible at all, uh, you'll remember that from the book of Acts. As Peter was preaching, he said, We have David's sepulcher here, but we have an empty tomb in Jerusalem. And that is the fulfillment of this prophecy here of the coming Messiah. And and some people in understanding that prophecy of the coming Messiah have tried to make this entire psalm a psalm of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane and in different places. And and, um, I, I think the simplest way to understand this psalm is what it says. You see... It's divided up into four different uh, uh, segments here, or verses, we might say. The the Hebrew word 
would be called a strophe. And it says, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. Now, if we look at the very beginning, this is a psalm of David. How often in David's life, how often do we see that theme through the psalms? Preserve me, keep me in the way. Psalm 119 that we reviewed last uh, Sunday night. Uh, Constantly in that psalm, David is asking God to keep him in the way, to preserve him in the path. That, that he should go. And that gives us something that we need to get a hold of. Just because we're saved and you can't lose your salvation, you still need to work at it. Amen? Uh, we still must have God's grace to keep us, to hold us in that way. And and we need to daily fight the battle to put our trust in the Lord. I mean, a couple weeks ago we had all those Supreme Court decisions. What was your first thought? I mean, you're just saying, how in the world can less than 2% of the population of the United States so dominate every law and everything that is going on. And uh, yet, let me tell you something. I've got to trust in the Lord. We've had a lot of people that have put trust in the American political system. In fact, I have a good friend knew him well when we lived back in Cleveland before we started the church. And, uh, and he and the organization he's a part of, they're trying to get a constitutional amendment that states parents ought to be parents. And you know what? I am against the public school system and all of these organizations out there trying to take away from parents the right to raise their own children. Your children do not belong to the state. They belong to you. Uh, They will get a far better education in your own home than they can in any public school classroom that is in existence. Uh, Just the gaining of knowledge is not education. How many smart people have you met that aren't smart enough to come in out of the rain? We had one man elected president of the United States. He gave the longest inaugural speech in history and died two weeks later from pneumonia that he caught while he was giving his inaugural speech. Uh, It actually happened. Thomas Edison would get so engrossed in his thought process and in his own experiments that he would forget to eat and pardon. He would forget to go. He would forget to use the restroom for the restroom. And someone would have to bring in clean clothes and, and clean him up because he was so involved in his thought processes. Uh, you get the picture. I'm telling you something. I don't want to be that smart. How about you? Uh, I, I'd rather be dumb. 
than die of pneumonia and, and be worse than a baby when you're in your 50s. That's crazy. Albert Einstein was so smart that he said he would work on the nuclear bomb as long as we gave the communist the key to the bomb. That's intelligence, is it not? Uh, And I I hope you can pick up the sarcasm there. Uh, What we need, what we need is to keep our trust in God. That's going to keep us in the way. All these things that are out there are not going to keep you in the way. Just because your mind is a great repository of knowledge does not guarantee anything. But if you'll keep your trust in the Lord, guess what? That is a promise to be preserved, to be kept pure, to be kept. And David is just praying this prayer, and I believe that this entire psalm is really a prayer of David. He says, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. You know, people, I meet them all the time, say, Oh, yeah, I believe in the Bible. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? No. Uh, Then why do you... But I like my church. Okay, I understand you, you like your church, but did you ever learn in your church what the Bible teaches about how you can know your sins are forgiven. Well, that's not real important where I go to church. Uh, we do other things there. I'm saying, why would you go to church? Why would you be a part of religion that does not give you any promise of eternity? And yet people do this all the time, even in the name of Jesus. He says, listen, I put my trust in you, God, and I'm asking you to preserve me. Verse 2, it finishes out this, well, actually, we go right through verse 3 here. He says, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. Have you ever had a conversation with yourself? Every once in a while, you need to. I've often tried to help people with emotional issues. Sometimes you just got to get a hold of yourself and tell yourself to shut up. Amen. Leave me alone. Your emotions are like little children. If you will discipline them, they will eventually stop crying and catch up to you and start doing what's right. But it takes some work. I mean, if you don't get a little... uh, if, If you've ever had a little child throw a temper tantrum, you can deal with that when they're a year old. You can't deal with that when they're 12. And Lord forbid, at 45, the only answer is a hospital. And it happens all the time. He said, I am telling my soul that my trust is in the Lord. Thou art the Lord. There is no other And then he says, my goodness extendeth not to thee. Now, that may be a somewhat difficult phrase if we're not careful there, but it's just, you know what? 
God is not blessed by my goodness. He's not made better by the good things. I don't give God instruction might be another way to look at it. And yet so often when we pray, how many of us try to give God instruction through prayer? Dear Lord, it sure would be nice if you would see fit to... You better be careful. You know, sometimes God has answered people's prayers to their own destruction. Look at Hezekiah. He says, My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth. Do you not think that David as king was an encouragement to other people to live righteously? As in opposition to King Saul, who David said, We sought not the Lord all the days of King Saul. We didn't seek the the uh, Ark of the Covenant. We didn't seek to worship the Lord in the way that he should that we should. He said, I want to change that and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. And we look at that phrase and we say, now, who is he talking about that are excellent? And those are people that are serving God with their whole heart. You know, every generation has had its heroes. And that's one of the great problems we have today. Who are the heroes? I mean, who are the heroes of our day and time? Sports players? Rock and roll people? Movie stars? I mean, America does not have royalty. But we have Hollywood. And I'm not quite sure which one is a worst example of how not to live life. The royal family in England or the people who live in Hollywood. Uh, I think they give each other a pretty good run for the money, don't you? And people worship these things. Why can't we make our heroes... People that serve God excellently. People that serve God with their whole heart. And if we delight in people who have invested their heart in service for God, guess what that's going to do? It's going to encourage us to serve God more. Now, now you have to understand here, We're not talking about giving to other men uh, honor and glory that's due only God. That's not what we're talking about. But there are some people that God has used in an excellent way. I mean, if I were to list some of the men that that I consider among this group, I I think of Brother Clayton that's coming in, in the first last week of September and the first week of October. Brother Clayton is getting up there in years. Brother Thompson's already gone to heaven. I'll tell you what, these are men that have served God. But I found out one thing. 
that me coming up behind them can be a great encouragement to these older men by doing what's right. And that's what David is talking about here. He's talking about the relationship that is there. That's one of the reasons I love going to the Home Missions Conference at Heartland in January. is because I see some young guys, and every once in a while there'll be a guy there that's older than I am, and he's out starting a brand new church. And uh, I'm glad God let me stay in one place. But uh, I want to support those guys. I want our church to be a part of what's going on because, look here, this is what David is talking about. The excellency of the Lord. Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. He said, my goodness doesn't extend to you, but it does have an influence on all the saints around me and to the excellent in whom is my delight. Psalm 37, he says, Mark that man because his end is going to be peace. Uh, Paul said, follow me and follow the things that you have learned of me among many witnesses and teach others the same thing. And this attitude is right here in this psalm, and it's in this first section here. Everything is of the Lord, and our delight ought to be in those people who serve the Lord. Then we get to verse 4, and this begins the second strophe, verses 4 and 5. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. One of the things that we do and identify our church, someone starts trying to ask, well, what kind of Baptist church are you? I mean, there's an incredible variety in the Baptist group. And one of the reasons there is, is because there's no Baptist popes out there. Well, I do know of one. His name is Johnny Pope. He's a preacher. Uh, but he's the only Baptist pope I know of. Uh, there's, and that's his joke, not mine, by the way. Uh, but there, there is no controlling body. And if there is, then they're really not truly historical and biblical Baptists. And so, we are a separatist church. That is a word that is historical in its significance. It, it means that we don't just join up with other people. There are some Baptists that, uh, that believe that just everyone ought to do everything. Um, the great author... And, and I enjoyed reading Pilgrim's Progress and the things that John Bunyan wrote about, but he believed in open communion. He believed that anybody that walked through the doors, whether they were saved or not, could take communion in a church, the Lord's Supper. I don't know how you find that in the Bible. But you know something? It's not my job to straighten out Mr. Bunyan, Reverend Bunyan. It's my job to keep things right 
right here. But we have lots of people that want us to join up with them, to be a part of them. And, and David says, listen, when you seek another God, when you seek things that aren't in the Bible, you're multiplying your sorrows. Don't be a partaker of their worship. You're not going to enhance your relationship with God by holding, friend, by holding hands with the world. Don't go there. But it's a great temptation. Because look what David rejoins the second half of this thing as he's contrasting these ideas. Their sorrows shall be multiplied. I'm not going to be a part. I'm not going to offer with them. I am not going to take up their names into my lips. He said, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. He says, I'm reminding myself. Wait a minute. Soul, you put your trust in the Lord. The Lord is all I have. He is my inheritance. He said, thou maintainest my lot. I like that. Your lot is the place where you are. In fact, in New York City, the Zoning Commission has divided this entire city up into blocks and lots. We are block 650, lot number 9. And you can look us up in the building department that way. Uh, That's where we are. But the Lord has maintained, is what he's saying. He says, listen, you're my inheritance. You know what an inheritance is? It's a promise of something to come. And I praise God that I'm never going to have to sit at a funeral and read the will of God. He's going to give me His blessings while He's still alive. But I haven't gotten it yet. Because I haven't gone to join Him yet. And so... He says, he's my inheritance. He's my portion of my cup. He maintains my lot. I'm not going to be a part of those people that want to destroy themselves. And now we go into the third section here. Verses 6 through 8. He says, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. You know what? David had some incredible things promised to him. He was told that he couldn't build the temple, but his son would build the temple. And that God would establish his throne as an eternal throne. And I am not sure, I don't think anybody can tell uh, for sure the history of the Star of David that is in the windows, but that's what they call it, the Mogan David, the Star of David. It is his symbol, the Jewish people, the people of Israel still call themselves... Um, by his name and his city, Jerusalem, is the capital of the nation of Israel today, contrary to the United Nations and all of the people that hate the Jews in this world. David said, listen, the lines have fallen unto me in, a ple- in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly heritage. Here's what he's saying. He said, I have an incredible future promised to me by God but I have an incredible past because my great-great-grandfather 
was at the foot of Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the laws of God. His great-great-grandmother was Rahab, the harlot from Jericho, who was saved by God's grace. You talk about a goodly heritage. I get tired when people say, well, what, what about the aborigines? They haven't had anybody go to them. How are they saved? You know what? Stop asking questions about things you have no idea what the answer is and start answering the question of what are you going to do with what's in front of you, my friend. Amen? Uh, God stopped for Rahab. He'll take care of everyone who is willing to be saved. But we better get busy about God's Word. That was taken care of in those that are excellent and those that are serving the Lord, His saints. In the first part of this, he's saying, listen, I have a great, I have a pleasant future. I have a great past. Look, at, I will bless the Lord. I think that's something we forget about. I met somebody years ago. He says, well, I bless my children before they go to bed every night. I said, I don't want to be extremely um, adversarial here, but what in the world do you have in you that's going to be such a blessing to your children? You know what? If I want to bless my children, I don't want them looking to me. I want them looking to this book. That's a blessing. Amen. They've got, we've got to get past ourselves. And we've got to stop and we've got to understand something. We had a couple of praises tonight that illustrated this point perfectly. I want to thank God for being good, for being so good, for just being a blessing to me. That's what David is saying. And when we forget to bless the Lord, when we forget to thank Him and praise Him for every situation in our life, that's when we stop surrendering to the Lord and He cannot bless us when we're not surrendered to Him. I want you to pray that God will continue the healing process in Nin's life. But I've had to tell her, listen, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you can't surrender this pain and this suffering to God, it's going to take a lot longer to heal. But if you want God to heal you, this is the way you do it. We've got, David is echoing here, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. There is not a major decision you will make in your life right without the aid of the Word of God. By the way, there's not a minor decision you will make in your life right. There is not a decision that you can make right without counsel from the Word of God. All some people stumble onto the Word by accident. They have no idea what's in here. 
But there's no excuse for those that serve God not to have His Word. I like this next one. He says, My rains also instruct me in the night seasons. Have you ever had a heavy burden, a decision that needed to be made, and it was just kind of weighing on you, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you read your Bible, and and you just couldn't get anywhere, and maybe you're laying there in the quiet when nobody's bothering you late at night and thinking and praying, and all of a sudden it just the answer just comes to you. That's what this is talking about. And then the next day you get up and read your Bible, and there, there are the words that came to you. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. God wants to do this. And David had experienced this in his life. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Do you see the circle that he's running in here? He starts out with, preserve me, keep me in the way. But Lord, because I've set you at my right hand, I'm not being moved. He's going to preserve me. But He's not going to preserve me just because I've prayed. He's going to preserve me because I'm following in His ways, because I'm honoring Him. I am blessing Him. I believe that He is the only God. He is all that I need. I don't want the counsel of the others. And then we get to 9 through 11 and the the triumph and the ultimate joy. He says, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth my flesh also shall rest in hope. Now you look at this. He says, my heart is glad. Do you know that these positive thinkers and things have actually hit on a truth that is in the Bible? When you are encouraged and you want to live life, and you've got things to do, do you know you heal faster? Do you know that things do not weigh you down as much when your eyes aren't on everything around you and you've got a direction that you're running in? It's called a merry heart. It says, doth good like a medicine. It is your soul. God wants you to have, the, that's what Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. But he said, my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall have rest in hope. If I have things right spiritually, it's going to make it easier physically for me. Just, it's just the truth. And, and David is bringing that thing out. And, and, of course, these positive thinkers and all of these people, they, they have actually tied into this. And, and people will get excited and joyous about all kinds of things that really they ought not be excited about, but it will help them. I mean, not everybody that goes to a psychiatrist is told not to believe in God and do terrible things. 
But I'll tell you, if you get into the Word of God, you won't need it. He's going to settle your heart. That's your soul. And He'll bring health to your flesh. He'll do it. That doesn't mean you'll never have sickness or disease. No. But what it does mean is that when I will have a glad heart and my flesh shall rest in hope, and then we go to the reason for this in verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. And of course we understand this is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. But this is also an understanding of David. He said, death is not going to have victory over me because your anointed one is coming to save me from my sins. That was a promise that was given to Adam and Eve in the day that God judged them for their sin. This was a known promise that Jacob had held. And David brought it forth and said, Listen, death and hell cannot have victory over the saint that believes in God. And later on, Peter and Paul and others would refer to this as a prophecy fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come down to this last verse here. And it says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. There is a way to walk that will bring life. You know why God calls certain things sin? Because sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I don't care what sin it is. How many relationships have died because of gossip? How many marriages have been destroyed because of a little... uh, I'm looking for the proper word. Dissatisfaction? Expectations that are not met? You know, if you've got your eyes in your, on your spouse to meet all your needs, you're going you're gonna to you're gonna enjoy failure. You are. Because no human being can do that. Your eyes have to be on God. And when they are, He'll take care of that thing. He will bring you through it. How many people have died because of a little lie? Listen, he said, you're going to show me the path of life. You're going to show me the path. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. It's hard as a preacher to try to really explain what is going to be the joy of heaven. Because the joy of heaven is going to be being in the presence of God physically. I will have no faith in heaven. I won't need it. 
because I'll be able to see him as he is. And just to be able to look in his direction will be the greatest joy that a redeemed human being can ever experience. An unredeemed human being can't look. And if he does look, it will be in terror and dread because that same God that loved us enough to save us from our sins is going to condemn them to an eternal hell forever. But to be able to look upon the throne and Him that sits on it will be the great... Just to look will be the greatest joy that you will ever experience in all of eternity. To be able to look. At thy right hand are pleasures evermore. To think that we've had an opportunity to serve Him in a way that will be brought to testimony of God's goodness in heaven. Can you think of anything more pleasurable than that? And we will not be vexed by pride or selfishness or anything there. It will all be all about His glory. That's the ultimate victory, my friend. That's, that's what we're looking for. Yes, there is this wonderful prophecy here, but what David is really saying is, because of what the Messiah is going to accomplish, I am going to be the victor. I'm going to be standing there looking upon Him. And I'll have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I will get through this world alive. If you need to get encouragement, that's the only place I know where you can get it. I'm going to get out of death alive. Amen? In fact, when this body hits the ground, I'll be more alive than I've ever been. And I won't be vexed with all of the things that I am in this life. But he starts out with, Preserve me, O God. You take your preserves, strawberry, Huckleberry, all those wonderful things, and you mix them up and you put them in the jar and you seal them. And you know what? You want to keep them from spoiling. I remember my mom warning me, she said, if you ever get the canning jar out and it doesn't pop, throw it away. Botulism can kill you before you even know you had it. But you know what? God said He'll preserve us. He'll keep us. He'll keep us from spoiling. How is that going to happen? By putting our trust in Him. That's how we get saved. That's how you live every day. We have to remind ourselves, as the psalmist does, Oh, my soul! You've said, Thou art my Lord. And my goodness doesn't extend to you. 
but it does encourage those around me. And it encourages those that are serving God excellently in whom I delight. There are sorrows to them that are seeking other gods, but I'm not going to partake of their worship. I'm not even going to name their names. I'm going to be satisfied with the Lord as my portion because I have an incredible future. I have a goodly past and heritage. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm not going to be moved. Even death is not going to hinder because Jesus is the victor over death and the grave. I'm going to have rejoicing in my heart. I'm going to have rest in my flesh. I'm going to serve the Lord until I get there to be with Him. What a wonderful little song. David put this, they say the title there, many say the title, the Mitchum of David is talking about gold or hidden treasure. And, and certainly that would apply to this. This is a hidden treasure. Just to walk in the ways of the Lord. That's what Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, he said, it's my secret. Hudson Taylor's secret. Walk with the Lord every day. Say, that's not a great secret. Well, did you do it yesterday? Are you going to do it tomorrow? See, that's, that's why it's so great. Amen. Let's serve the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for this psalm. We ask that it would encourage us to serve you and live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll take just a moment. If you need to slip out, the altar's open. And then.